As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two experts. I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's go to court. On this episode, I'll be talking about an Australian catfish. Mm, and I'll be talking about domestic violence. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> Real bummer of an episode. Yeah. Here we go. Uh. But hey, you like the Australian cases. Uh, yeah. What? like a catfish. Australian style! Okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> you know, it was impossible to work on this without hearing you in my head going, Australian style! <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Ooh, I'm feeling like it's real cushy in the sex dungeon today. Ever, you know, I was thinking, we've had a lot of drama in our studio and we've not communicated it we to the listeners. We haven't talked about it at all. Everyone, we we had this room. You know, we've got quilts up on the walls yeah, to like absorb sound, sound. Absorbing blankets. We had there's our like rug. Foam. Yeah, and Kit, unbeknownst to me for a while, was using this room as her piss palace. Yeah, own personal piss palace. We thought she was doing great with the potty training. <laughs> Turns out she just found a special plot. <laughs> anyway, it smelled horrible in here. You were, like, polite and you lied about it a lot. I didn't lie. I didn't think it smelled that bad. It smelled terrible. <laughs> Everyone, we're in here for hours at a time. Yeah. It really adds up. Anyway, long story short, I got a new rug. Yeah, and it's cushy, and it smells like new rug, not like kit piss. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Oh, 
You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Hmm. You know what I like almost as much as shaving my legs? Um, what? Our Patreon. <laughs> well, that's a terrible ad. <laughs> I nobody, love, nobody likes shaving their legs. I love having freshly shaved legs. Oh, uh, hold up! Okay, Don't fine. switch it around now. Yeah, we all love. You having... know what I love almost as much as having sh- uh, freshly shaved legs. <laughs> what? Our Patreon. Well, I agree, but you sound dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, whoo! I'm loving the reaction to our latest bonus episode. Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, people are pissed off about your case. Yes. I mean, you did a great job covering the viral interrogation video. Very upsetting. Um, uh, But they're also partial to my case. Oh, people are loving the shit we threw at Noom. Yeah, Noom. Never going to be a sponsor of this podcast. Never sponsor this podcast. (laughs) We've made our peace with it. If you want to listen to that episode, plus all the other bonus episodes. Uh, 33 other bonus episodes. Yeah, but you'd be crazy not to sign up. Yeah. It's at the $5 level. Also, if you want more than that, and believe me, there's more. Yeah. Oh, there's more. You're going to want it, too. All right. We've made it a little creepy. Don't know why. (laughs) But if you sign up at the $7 level, you get all that. Plus, you get into the Discord. You get monthly Zoom calls. You get a sticker. You get our autographs. Oh, my God, our autographs. You also get inducted into the podcast at the $10 level. You know what that is? That's the Bob Moss level. It sure is. And with that, you get all the stuff from the previous levels plus ad-free episodes and you get them a day early. Also, 10% off merch. Woo! What mm. more could you want? Mm. 20% nothing, off? Shut up. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's too much. That's We're a small business. <laughs> I was doing like a Price is Right thing. I know Have what you, you were game? doing. I've... <laughs> Well, I mean, not everyone is as familiar with game shows as you are. We can't all be on your level, but, you know, what can we do? Are you going to talk to us about Australia now? Yeah. What are you doing with your watch over I there? got like a – there was somebody added me in the Discord, and so I was just seeing if it was something exciting. Was it? Yeah. What was it? Somebody suggesting a, a bonus video idea. What is it? Well, so on this month's bonus video we're doing – or Zoom call we're yeah. doing um, – like, am I the asshole and relationship advice? Reddit. Mm-hmm. We're going to read those and react to them. Somebody suggested that we do like a mean tweets. <laughs> oh, oof. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we prefer not to do that. <laughs> anyway, shout outs to reporting by Rebecca Opie for ABC Australia oh. and an episode Indeed. of 60 Minutes Australia. Okay. I'm not going to give you the title of that episode because, man, it just gives the whole. I mean, didn't you already give away. it away? Aren't we talking about a catfish? Australian style. Uh, there's more to it. Oh, okay, great. Than meets the catfish's eye. Um, also, <laughs> don't look at me like that because I covered one. Do <laughs> I look like I was disappointed? You look so disappointed. You're like, this is who I chose to uh, go into business with. <laughs> Oh, boy. I chose my long-term friend. Too late now. 25 
years in, nothing I can do about it now. <laughs> Just gonna ride this thing till the wheels come off. <laughs> we got ourselves an international case disclaimer here. Ooh, but they speak English in Australia. <laughs> do they? Do they really? Because I was okay. Here's here's the other disclaimer <laughs> I have to put out there. <laughs> okay, I I have a weird thing about sixty minutes Australia. Okay, they they upload to YouTube regularly, and I really like them. Uh-huh. Like I really like the presenter. Yeah. Um. So I have weirdly watched a lot of sixty minutes Australia. I don't know why. That is kind of weird. Okay. Uh huh. But what I discovered from, like, actually having to, like, take notes and stuff and actually try to talk about it later is yeah. I don't really understand. <laughs> like, every sixth word. Yeah. <laughs> so I realized, like, uh-oh, oh, shit, I'm not really catching on to everything that's being said here. So I was like, okay, I'll go to my good friend, closed captions. They were even worse than I was. So international case disclaimer. Okay, great. I Excellent. say to you. All right. Let's talk about Devine Arkin. Devine is very cool. And unfortunately, okay, so my international case disclaimer just starts right here. Let's say one one second in and you're like, okay, and this is where I'm going to (laughs) stop. Okay. Well, I told you, like, for some reason I struggle with the Australian accent a a bit. Uh But – it really hit the fan at the beginning of this episode where the newscaster was talking about how Devine was from a small town in Belgium. And I thought I understood that part perfectly. I thought she's from Hewlett, Belgium. Okay. Okay. And I Googled it later because, like, wanted to learn more. That's not a place. <laughs> <laughs> there is, however, a Hewlett Packard corporate office located near Brussels and that's, that's in Belgium. Yeah. <laughs> so So great. She lives in the she grew up in the Hewlett Packard corporate office. Corporate office, yeah. Which seems like a very boring way to live. Mm-hmm. No, what you need to know is Davina is from Belgium and um while I can't point it out to you on a map, I can tell you that the B-roll of this town looked lovely. Yes. It had very cool architecture. We're talking brick buildings with detailing in the brick. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I love it when they, yeah. they're like, oh, whoa, whoa, we're yeah. switching the brick yeah. style now. Yeah. Uh-huh. I do I'm like gonna that. going to put yeah. it in cattywampus, but it's not cattywampus. It's no, it's because it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Talking arched windows. Uh-huh. Turrets. B- Bavaria kind of. Bavaria situation. What's a Bavaria yeah, like Bavarian situation? Bavarian style stuff. Oh well, you know what? I I know what you mean by your hands going all, <laughs> you know, like that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. We realize we're podcasters. <laughs> Are we good at it? Maybe not. No. <laughs> <laughs> so the town is on the small side, and it has a lot of greenery. But from what I could see, it looked like they had a lot of the same type of tree. And perhaps that was why when Devine was in her early 20s, she was like, I got to get out of here. Got to see more trees. Need to explore the world. Need to see a place where there are multiple types of trees thriving in the same environment. Am I right, Brandy? Oh, you don't get it. You don't get it. (laughs) Something only the hottest, coolest girls appreciate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Speaking of cool girls, Devine is very cool and very adventurous. Even her haircut is adventurous. What is it? Okay, I'm I'm going to start this by saying she actually pulls this off. I'm going to describe it, and I know it's going to sound like no one can pull this off. Is it asymmetrical? 
Well, in a sense, um, it's like a mullet shag situation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Somehow it looks good on her. Yeah. Some people can pull it off. Miley Cyrus. I know, but I mean, that's like the percentage of people who that what? that cast member on SNL right now. Which one? What's her name? I don't know. What do you got to do to get a cast list? <laughs> oh, great! We're just—I've just got all forty years of. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> okay, any day now, I'm going to figure out who it is. Boy, this is riveting material. Fuck! I really—I'm loving this. Sarah Sherman. <laughs> okay, are you going to show me a picture of her? No. <laughs> yes. Hold on. She's beautiful. And she has a shag mullet. Oh, yes. Okay, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep, she sure does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some people can pull it off. It's wild. It is wild. Speaking of SNL, do you ever stop and think about what a miracle it was that we got Bowen Yang instead of that douchey racist white guy (laughs) who had a stupid podcast? Yeah. Bowen Yang is like my favorite. Bowen Yang is amazing. Yeah, and it's what's the most amazing thing to me is that he was not like the first pick. Exactly. That like some douchebag white guy was like the first pick, and then it's like, oh, I guess we'll get this other guy. Podcast where he said all kinds of racist shit on it. (laughs) Oh, crap. Crap, we gotta fire that guy. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. All I'm saying, did you ever see the Bowen Yang thing? Where he dresses up as the iceberg that hit yeah. the Titanic. Yes. Norman doesn't get it. Oh, it's hilarious. It's one of my favorite things. Everybody, look it up. <laughs> he goes on Weekend Update as the yeah, iceberg as the that iceberg. hit yeah. the Titanic. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay. I'm glad we went on that tangent. <laughs> Devine loves nature. She loves new experiences. She loves to bike, to hike, to travel. She likes trees. Yeah. Unlike someone I know. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I do like trees. Just one specific kind of tree. And you're really not not, like super in love with them, I gotta say. (laughs) In fact, by her early 20s, she'd already traveled through South Africa, Guatemala, and China. Oh, shit. I know. And as a result, she had these wild pictures of herself. And mind you, these are not like Instagram y perfect pictures. These are like hardcore bitch, I'm traveling pictures. There's a picture of her handling. This large, disgusting snake with what appears to be like the end of a pooper scooper or something. Snake stick. It's terrible. It's called a snake stick. All right. Snake stick. All right. It was disgusting. (laughs) The photo looks like it was taken in some kind of terrifying vet. (laughs) Oh, fun fact. That snake is now dead. Why is that a fun fact? And so are all other snakes, so we don't have to worry about snakes anymore. (laughs) That's not not true. (laughs) There's also a picture of Devine in what appears to be some sort of, like, zookeeper uniform. She's feeding a carrot to a panda. Okay, that's really cute. The carrot looks like it's peeled. Okay. Doesn't that seem kind of weird? I don't know. Maybe pandas like their carrots peeled. How? How? What? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. How would you figure that out? I don't know. Maybe you do an experiment. You give them three carrots that are peeled, <laughs> three carrots that aren't peeled, and then you see which ones they eat. Although they eat them all, then 
then let's not waste time peeling these bad yeah. boys. But, but pandas don't deserve to have their carrots peeled. It just seems unnecessary. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> seems like super unnecessary to me. But you know, I'm all about simple living. Yeah. <laughs> when I feed pandas, <laughs> I don't put too much effort into it. I want to feed a panda now. No. Why? Let the pandas be, I say. Touch its little face. Yeah, and I hope it bites your hand because it's like I'm a fucking panda. Well, I wouldn't do it without its permission. <laughs> <laughs> How does one get I can, consent? You, you can... You can get a vibe. Yeah, get a vibe. It's a vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it does like if a flirty touch. If it my face off, then it didn't want me to touch it. That's how you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Great. <laughs> There's also a picture of Devine shooting a rifle. What? At what? We don't know. I hope it's – I don't know what the right answer to the <laughs> And there are pictures of her in the mountains and at the base of trails. So you get the idea. She is Carmen San Diego. And when she was Where 24, in the world is Carmen San Diego. We can't say the town in Belgium, so that rules that out. When she was 24, she was all geared up to go to Australia. She wanted to see the wildlife. She wanted to explore nature. She wanted to go backpacking. Brandy, you're making a lot of faces. You got some opinions? Does she know about all the snakes and spiders? <laughs> I don't think she's as afraid of stuff as we are. <laughs> I'm saying, like, I, too, would love to go to Australia. And I think that I will someday. Mm-hmm. Um, to like, But, like, to, you know, real fancy Sydney. hotel part. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm certainly not exploring um, the wilderness. Didn't you hear that all the snakes are dead now? Good no. news. <laughs> Good news. <laughs> They're dead. <laughs> I think they also got, like, crocodiles and sharks out there. They sure do. Yeah. Just everything that's trying to kill you, just... What are your thoughts on backpacking? You like that? No! Yeah, that sounds terrible. I had one backpacking experience. I nearly died. Oh, was that the Grand Canyon? When you got camel toe? I got canyon toe. (laughs) Thank you very much. Uh, You know what was involved? Bats. A fucking giant spider. And fabric way up your veg. <laughs> no fabric on my I did experience um, a visual of somebody else's horrible camel toe. When you were at the Grand Canyon? Yeah, when I was hiking out. A lady was hiking in and it was, I mean, she was, the hike, I was almost to the end and she mm-hmm. was just getting started and her leggings were already way up there. <laughs> she had a rough hike ahead of her. <laughs> she sure did. <laughs> Well, God bless her. That's anyway. <laughs> bears, too. There were bears in the canyon. The day after I got out of the canyon, uh-huh. front page of the newspaper, black bears spotted in the Grand Canyon the first time in 100 years. Really? Yes. Maybe it was just trying to get a look at that toe. Maybe it was just me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, real grumbly. <laughs> Kept stealing picnic baskets. Had huckleberries all over your yeah. face. What are huckleberries? I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, you had them. Anyway, so here we go. She didn't just want to visit. Enough about you being a bear. Sorry. 
You've got to be a twink, okay? My grandma called me Brandy Bear when I was That's little. so cute. Yes. So, in your face. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that that was something you were throwing at me. <laughs> Anyway, Devine didn't want to just visit. She wanted to get a working visa that would last for a year. Okay. And so she did. In 2016, she flew down to Australia and she had a blast. She went surfing. She went snorkeling. She did that thing where you like sled down a hill of sand. Yeah. You okay there? No, I'm just real worried. Too much stuff. (laughs) Uh, She went to one of Australia's pink lakes. Did you know about this? No, is it a salt lake? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like the pink salt. Yeah, so it's like the color of Pepto Bismol. They look really cool, but also kind of creepy, and they're obviously not clear. And man, she just stuck her foot in anyway, like a badass. Oh, she is so brave. I'm seeing how lame we are. I know. With this story. I know. Because like it's an objectively cool story. It is. It's and, so cool, and, and I'm we're so just like, scared. We're like, oh gosh. So she snorkeled. <laughs> Did she see all the stuff down there? Did she know there's a lot of stuff in the water? <laughs> So when she put her foot in the pink water, did she wonder what kind of stuff was in there? (laughs) She went to Sydney. She went to Melbourne. She went to Tasmania. She got on this terrifying, skinny little bridge thing that went from one mountain to another. Pass. (laughs) I'm already scared of bridges, kind of. Yeah. But then, you know, that true crime down the... The Delphi, the Delphi case? Down yeah. the hill, yeah. Now I can't go near any, yeah, bridge. any bridges. So she's doing all this stuff. She's having a great time. In fact, she was having such a good time that she decided she wanted to stay for two years. But if she wanted to do that, she'd definitely have to find a job in the bush in order to get the – I know. You know what? I only put that in there because I knew you'd want to make a vagina joke. Well, I was going to say that's what my – waxer does she got a job in the bush amazing hilarious well done (laughs) (laughs) so she'd have to do that in order to get the visa extended and if you want more information on that process i can't help you because all of my knowledge on visas comes from 90 day fiance so there we go. But the bottom line is that Devine was like, okay, I just need to work for whatever number of days I need to in order to get my visa extended for another year. What the hell's happening to you? Nothing. What's wrong with you? I bit my cheek just oh, <laughs> If anyone wants to see Brandy make an alarming face, <laughs> watch her bite her cheek. So Devine got on Gumtree, which is like Australia's Craigslist, mm-hmm. and she posted an ad looking for work. And after a while, she got a response. Real missed opportunity there, Kristen. What? It's like Craigslist. Australian style! I, th- <laughs> those are your jokes. <laughs> I'm going to let you have them. I thought you wanted me to sing that classic song, Kookaburra Sits in the Old Gum Tree. <gasps> Kookaburra Sits in the Old Gum Tree. Mm-hmm. Merry, merry king of, of the, the bushes, he left. Kookaburra left. Kookaburra gay, your life <laughs> must be. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh, classic song. I'm sorry, everyone. We're in a weird mood today. We are. I feel we're like feeling, I don't know what we're feeling today. 
What are we feeling? I don't know. Oh, I see you've got what is it? Shut up. Mellow. What is it called? Shy shy marshmallow. Today. My shy marshmallow. Oh, shy marshmallow. That's right. I've got two of these uh, water bottles that do not sponsor the podcast, <laughs> but we love them anyway. That's the Awala Free Sip. That's right. You ever have trouble <laughs> sipping on your water? I didn't think I did either, but then you try one Turns of these. Out you bad did. Boys. Yeah. Turns out you did. <laughs> didn't know I needed it in my life. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I've got two colors because I'm rich. I only have one color. Yeah. Man. Sorry to show off my privilege. Yeah. <laughs> I just work harder than you. Oh, rude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like better in every way. Uh, you know, I have a saying that I made up, but it's we have 24 usable hours in every day. <laughs> I bet you do dumb shit like sleep. I do. <laughs> but not even that much. That's why you're living the one water bottle lifestyle. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Follow me for more tips. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's a great idea. What if we started a whole new podcast that was just like toxic positivity? <laughs> just fake lifestyle tips. Uh, wonderful idea. Oh, so good. No, I lost the thing to my. <laughs> now oh, you're no. just your flaps just flapping around. Everyone, I lost the flappy thing to my watch. The loopy thing. The to loopy your watch. thing to my watch. Now it's flapping. Yeah, because I lost my looping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. We will get on track. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> you know what the problem is? I started the. I started the episode. Yeah. Lately, we've had so many where you start, yes. and I feel like you bring a real seriousness to the podcast Thank you. that we really need. That's right. I do usually wear a top hat mm-hmm. and a tweed jacket with elbow patches. While I just wear a tuxedo t-shirt and nothing else. <laughs> and I think it's really showing it today. Is. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, your nips are showing, in fact. <laughs> you lucky, lucky lady. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so she has to extend her work visa, so she just has to get a job wherever she can get a job. So she so gets she a job in the bush. Loopy thing in her watch. No, <laughs> she gets a job in the bush. So she got a response. So just back, back. Oh, back okay. Up. She's trying to get she's a job on Gumtree with the kookaburra, and she gets this response from a farmer named Max. He said he had a farm in Lamaru, which is a really small town in southern Australia. We're talking. Home to less than a thousand people. Oh shit, that is a really small town. So Max messaged her and said, Would you be interested in rearing baby calves on a farm two and a half hours from Adelaide? He went on to explain that he worked for a network of farms owned by a company called Genesis Inc. And they employed a ton of people who were just like her, backpackers who needed a little work. There would be free accommodation, flexible work arrangements, and the pay was $20 an hour. Max told her that he had this opening because a French girl had been working on his farm and she had, you know, moved on with her travels or whatever. Mm-hmm. Devine asked a few questions, but really this sounded perfect. She told her friend Echo Wang about the opportunity and Echo was like, oh my gosh, congratulations. Devine and Echo had met three years earlier in China and they were really close friends and they both loved to travel. Echo is very cool also. Obviously. I mean, yeah. Yeah. She's also beautiful, and she has, like, another hairstyle that I feel like is – you can only pull off if you're really cool. Does she have some some kind of bang? 
No, it's just okay. bleached. And, oh. like, you know, not everyone can just bleach their hair, but she looks pretty mm-hmm. fucking cool. Anyway, uh, neither here Much nor there. Much like your bleached butthole. Thank you, Brandy. <laughs> you know, no one ever comments on my bleached butthole, and I show it to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's so critical these days, I find. <laughs> They're like, oh, we don't want to see your oh, butthole. I've already oh. seen buttholes today. Oh my god, I'm trying to eat hummus here. You know, it's just like a whole thing. (laughs) But you've always been so welcoming. Yeah. And thrilled. Yes, I'm always thrilled to see your freshly bleached butthole. (laughs) So, they both like to travel, and Echo was doing something pretty similar to what Devine was about to do. She was traveling in Australia and she'd taken a job picking fruit so that she could fulfill the requirements of her visa. So Echo was like, that's great, you'll be fine, you know, enjoy, good luck, whatever. Devine was a little nervous because even though she was always really adventurous, she also took precautions. She rarely did anything alone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this was going to kind of be the exception. But, you know, she was doing what a ton of backpackers do all the time, so she decided, what the hell, she took the job. She worked with Max to make kind of all the arrangements. And on Thursday, February 9th, <gasps> what? Is Max the catfish? Is this like a gum tree killer, like Craigslist killer, Australian style? You know, I'm, There's no job. She's going to get there and he's just going to murder her. And then Echo Wang is going to track her down. I'm going to have to offer up a criticism. And it's that you did not come to this very quickly. You were just... <laughs> You were too focused on my butthole, I think. <laughs> I've, been, I've been doing a lot of thinking about your bleached anus. So. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> it's called envy. That's what that is. <laughs> so on Thursday, February 9th, 2017, Devine took an hour-long bus ride from Central Adelaide to Murray Bridge. And just as he'd promised, when Devine arrived, Max was there waiting for her. He seemed like a nice, normal guy. He was in his 50s and dressed like... You know, a farmer. She mm. could, You okay? Very suspicious of Max now. Mm-hmm. Yep. She got into his red pickup truck and they headed down the road. By the way, even though his name was definitely Max, it was for sure Max, he had a personalized license plate. It read Gene mm. 01. Okay. Well, that's confusing. How's he spelling it? G-E-N-E? Mm-hmm. Okay. Not like a pair of jeans. <laughs> That's how ladies spell it. Yeah, but he's a dude. <laughs> okay, well maybe it was like or a first, bloke. Maybe it was like first his Sheila. No. <laughs> so they drove and drove and drove through just like miles and miles of rural land. Right. And if the B-roll is to be believed, they drove on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so stupid. <laughs> you know what? Not as stupid as questioning. <laughs> I regretted that as soon as I said it. My God. Why am I like this? <laughs> you know, Max had said his farm was located in Lamaru, but it was really located in Meningi which is also a very small rural town, but it's much less remote than Lamaru. In fact, Max's farm isn't all that far from the local police station. 
technically the drive from Murray Bridge to Meningi should take less than an hour. I think I've now pronounced that town two different ways, so yeah. I can't be wrong now. <laughs> <laughs> but Max took a more scenic route. Mm, great. He took about two hours to get to his property. So that she would have no idea where she was. He didn't drive through any towns. He took exclusively back roads. Oh, so no one could see him bringing a woman to his farm that he's about to murder. They crossed two ferries before they finally got to his farm. Okay. The whole time, Max was chatty and friendly, and they got to his property, and he opened a gate, and they drove some more, and he opened another gate, and then he took her to this pig shed. It was about as nice as you would expect a pig shed to be. Mm-hmm. It had a like sheet metal roof and about half of the siding is sheet metal and the other half is like cinder block walls. And of course, it's filled with hay and animal crap. And so Devine and Max walked in and weirdly, the pig shed had a fridge that was broken down and a futon. And he's like, this is your accommodations? Yeah. Cool. I think – I didn't write this part down, but I think he said something like, this is your accommodations. And she had tried to be polite about it and be like, you know, I've stayed in worse places. Like, it's okay. Because, you know, what's she going to say? Yeah. She thinks she's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So Max walked her through the shed saying, okay, this is where you'll raise the calves. Here's where you're going to feed them. And Devine is just kind of like taking this all in. And sort of out of nowhere, Max told Devine that he'd had trouble with some of his previous farmhands abusing drugs. So he said he needed to check her for needle marks. And Devine thought he was being very weird, but she said, okay. So she showed him her arms and showed him her legs and... Max was totally calm and friendly as he looked at her arms and legs, you know. Really, it was a weird situation, but it was kind of okay, I guess. He acted just exactly as he had in the car ride. And then he told her, okay, now I want to check the bottom of your feet for needle marks. So he asked her to lay face down on the futon while he looked at her feet. Then she did. Okay. He seemed to take forever looking at her feet from every angle. And all of a sudden, he was on her back attacking her. Mm -hmm. He kept trying to get her arms behind her back, but Davine was strong and she fought back as hard as she could. And it seemed like she was about to overpower him, but then he pulled out a gun and held it against her back. Davine was terrified. She stopped struggling. Max used cable ties and then later chains to tie Devine's hands and legs together. And then he took off her clothes and sexually assaulted her. He told her that if she tried to escape, he'd kill her. And then he introduced her to what was to be her new way of life. He told her, from now on, you don't wear clothes. You must be kind to me. You can't run away. If you do, I'll find you and shoot you. He also told her that there were dangerous snakes on his property. They would bite her if she ran through the field. He also let Devine in on a little secret. She was being sex trafficked. What? He told her that he was part of a sex trafficking organization 
and that she was officially caught up in it. She would never get help from anyone because the police were in on this scheme. He also told her that she was lucky because the other guys in this scheme weren't nice, but he was super nice. So she had to be good to him and she had to love him. Oh, did she? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't imagine what was going through her head at this point. Mm-mm. But she said she felt powerless and tiny. She thought about her family and that just made it worse because what were they going to do when she was inevitably murdered yeah. out here? Yeah. Another thing that made this so awful was no one knew where she was. She told people she'd gotten a farming job in southern Australia, but she was in the middle of nowhere. And I assume when your loved one tells you, oh, I'm getting a farming job in some remote area, you're probably not expecting to hear from them super soon. And so if if you don't hear from them for for a while, it probably wouldn't seem that alarming. Mm -hmm. Before Max left the shed, he took Devine's cell phone and he took her keys. At one point, he opened the broken-down fridge, and Devine spotted something inside the refrigerator. They were little metal hooks. So Max left the shed. Devine had just been through this unimaginably traumatizing event. She'd been kidnapped and raped, and at this point, I believe she had one arm and one leg chained to the Mm. wall. So it was risky, but she knew she had to do something. So she got herself over to that fridge, got it open, and grabbed one of the little metal hooks she'd seen. She was terrified that Max would come back and catch her, but she worked as quickly as she could, pushing that metal hook between the chain links and twisting and twisting and Mm -hmm. twisting until finally one of the links popped open. Next, she got to work on the chain on her leg. That chain was much harder than the first one, but she kept pushing and twisting and pulling, and finally it gave a little and gave a little— And at last, it came undone. So she was free. Sort of. Mm -hmm. By this point, it was dark. She didn't have any idea where she was. So she decided it would be safer to stay put. And she decided to take advantage of the fact that Max had taken her phone but had forgotten to check her backpack for a laptop. So Devine got into her backpack and pulled out her laptop, and pulled out the Wi-Fi stick that she had hidden in her bag. And inside that dirty pig shed, she turned on her laptop and connected to the Internet. Oh, my God. She didn't have a strong signal or anything, but it was just enough. So she turned the light down on her screen as low as she could because she didn't know know, how much. Exactly. She had no idea where he was, and she didn't want to waste time. She began sending messages to anyone she could. She told her friends and family everything she knew. She'd been picked up at Murray Bridge by a man in a red pickup truck. They'd driven for two hours. They'd crossed two ferries. He had a gun. She found an email address for the South Australian police, and she emailed them. Mm -hmm. She sent a Facebook message to the Police Association of Southern Australia. She noticed that her friend Echo was on Facebook Messenger, so she messaged Echo. Mm. You want to know what they said to each other? Yeah. Devine. Help me. I've been kidnapped. Somewhere in Murray Bridge. On Cow Farm. Drove two hours. I crossed with two ferries. Don't know where I am. I got chains loose. 
echo. Are you controlled by them now, in a dark room, or you escaped already? Just don't know where are you now. Devine, please call police. Echo, send me the location. Devine, how? Echo, use Google Map. Devine, I'm on laptop, not phone. Echo, try to keep calm. Don't worry, you will be safe. And then they lost their Wi-Fi connection. Oh. As soon as she lost the signal, Devine hurried to put everything back. She tucked her laptop away. She hid the Wi-Fi stick. She put the chains back on herself. Meanwhile, Echo did not waste time. She called the police and told them what she knew. And, man, these investigators seem to have acted very quickly. Mm-hmm. Within 10 minutes of getting that phone call that Devine had been kidnapped, they asked for a triangulation to commence. Oh. Which is Australian for cell phones go ping, cell towers go pong. That's we right. know your location all the all day, day long. long. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't take long for investigators to figure out kind of approximately where Devine was being held captive. Because get a load of this. When Max was taking her on that long drive to his property, her cell phone was pinging all the day long. And those pings and pongs all backed up everything that Devine had said about her journey. So by this point, Devine's family back in Belgium was, of course, freaking out. Australian authorities were trying to track her down. And in the meantime, all she could do was just, like, stay put and hope that people took her pleas seriously. Hours passed by. Max kept coming back to the pig shed to assault Devine Mm -hmm. and say all kinds of bullshit. He made a big deal of telling her how she was lucky because he was the nice one in the sex trafficking ring. Cool. He was always having to pick up girls for this sex trafficking ring, and he didn't like the job, but it wasn't easy to quit, you know. And his, Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. What was me? Yeah. What a tough life you have there, Max. Would you like proof of how nice he was? Oh, sure. Well, he brought her toilet paper brandy and a book. Cool. And some bug spray. Excellent. Yeah, terribly nice guy. Hope that didn't put him out too much. So roughly two days passed, and all of a sudden, Devine heard planes flying low overhead. (gasps) She didn't know it, but the nearby town of Meningi was swarming with police. It seems that the main thing that investigators knew was that the man who'd taken Devine had been driving a red pickup truck, or as they're known in Australia, a big red ute. Sure. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. (laughs) U-T-E. I was like, is that some kind of fancy, like, Australian brand? No, that's just what they call them. I watched a music video mm-hmm. the other day that had like a thousand views on it from like seven years ago about, okay. you know, my baby wants a big red ute. There are rednecks my everywhere. My baby wants a big red ute. <laughs> I'm telling you, rednecks are everywhere. Okay. Anyway, at 2 p.m., one of those planes spotted a big red ute sort of hidden away beneath a tree. And invested a gum tree. We can only hope. Yeah. But, you know, I hear they've got more than one type of tree in Australia. They do. They do. Don't act like you give a shit. Those lemon gum trees, though, they grow real big because I covered a case where a lady fell out of one. Oh, yeah. Died. Mm Mm-hmm. Fell. She didn't fall. 
no one ever falls in Brandy's cases. No. They are pushed always. <laughs> uh-uh, there was that one. That's true. Mm-hmm. 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 Won't tell you the one because I'm not going to spoil it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she looks so smug right now. <laughs> so investigators just sat and watched the car, and eventually they saw a man get inside it. And, of course, they let him drive a ways, and they pulled him over and discovered that his name was Gene Bristow. Mm. So while one officer got his info, someone else snapped a few candids of Gene, a.k.a. Max, and they were not flattering. <laughs> What's Gene look like? Well, first of all— What body part does he look like? You like to compare people to body parts. Only if it fits. I don't, I don't squeeze people oh, into okay, boxes, you're not Brandy. you people here. Okay. No. Here's the thing. Gene was wearing a dirty blue sleeveless number. Oh. Okay. Okay. Dri- was he driving his big red ute or was he driving something else? Of course he was driving the big red ute. Oh, okay. Yeah. His baby wants a big red ute. You know, I don't know. Baby gets what baby wants. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's to not be kidnapped. Ooh. Can't do that. Yeah. I, I can't go for that. No can do. <laughs> anyway, picture it. Blue sleeveless number. Looks like he smells terrible. And he'd paired that with a set of dirty cargo pants. Oh, oh! so he had a full-length pant on? Uh-huh. They yeah. were not shorts. They were longs. That's right. <laughs> Everyone, she's making fun of my husband right now. <laughs> Do you want to explain? No. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll just leave it at um, – <coughs> Sorry. If you're not wearing shorts, you're wearing longs. Longs. Uh-huh. That's right. After talking to him briefly, they let him go because he wasn't technically doing anything illegal. Although I'd say the outfit was a crime. Yeah, I would agree. (laughs) But being stopped by the cops and seeing all the police presence in this small town. Yeah, probably didn't rub Gene too good. No, he was a little like, yikes. Yikes. In fact, he pooped himself on the way back to the pig shed. In his cargo lungs. (laughs) Honestly, might have helped the the stench. He did not look. <laughs> an improve- you think him shitting his pants was an improvement? Yes, I do. <laughs> I'm not saying that to like be funny or anything. I really mean that. I took one look at this guy. I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh, nope, no can do. I can't, <laughs> can't go, for, go that. for that. <laughs> By the way, the police did not follow him. They didn't. No, and okay, I. First of all, I applaud the police for working so quickly once they got this tip. But, like, this town has, like, a thousand people in it. And you see a sketchy guy in a big red ute. You you can't Maybe send... he wasn't sketchy to them. Maybe they know Gene. Gene's super charming. Gene. Everybody knows Gene. You know Gene. He lives right down the street. He drives his big red ute. Yeah, but you're looking for a dude with Gene a big red Gene wouldn't hurt a fly. You don't send so one nice. He would give you toilet paper and a book. Wow. <laughs> what an amazing... He sounds like the nicest guy in a sex trafficking <laughs> ring. right. <laughs> you can't send one officer to just kind of like... No. There's no Pink Panther in... All right. Anyway, so Gene got back to the shed where Devine was still shackled, and he said, there are police everywhere. We have to go. He told her to put on her clothes, and she grabbed her backpack, and he made her run out of the shed. 
He got into his truck in full panic mode. I can't believe they were still in his truck. I can't believe he hasn't changed his lungs yet. (laughs) Anyway, I feel like when you've got snakes and all kinds of crazy wildlife, you don't want – you don't want to wear shorts. That's true. It's just tempting fate as they say. Yeah. It's like when I was doing my yard work the other day and I wore rain boots up to my ass practically. <laughs> you, you're in full on fishing like wading gear? Yes. <laughs> and my neighbor was like, wow, you're really kind of decked out. I was like, yes, I'm afraid of snakes. <laughs> <laughs> And if a snake also, wants me, they're going to have to, like, really do some also, traveling. last year, I got poison ivy in my anus. So. It was no—well, it was close to my anus. <laughs> I, man, that, that shit will travel. Yeah. And all you can do is pray. That's right. You, you ask Jesus to take your anus. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Similar to taking the wheel. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh-huh. I got that. It was beautifully done. <laughs> So he drove and drove and drove back to Murray Bridge and finally got to the Central Olympic Motel where he rented her a room. And I don't know. The Central Olympic Motel had nothing to do with this kidnapping. Oh, okay, great. It's probably a perfectly fine. What do you want to say about the Central Olympic Hotel here? Well, I mean (laughs) – So they showed the outside of it on 60 Minutes, and I was like, oh, that looks rough. And so then I decided I was going to Google it, found it. They got rooms available? uh, It seems like they always have vacancies. (laughs) Um, But the reviews are pretty good, so it must be cheap. must be nice. No, it's not nice. I saw pictures. It must be cheap, and it must just be like, yeah, for what it is, you know. It's a pretty good deal. (laughs) They have cinder block walls, Brandy. Yeah. Is this a motel? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it must be a, like, get what you pay for situation, but people seem pretty pleased. Okay. All right. No interest in staying there? No, thank you. Okay. All right. Well, I heard they were going to sponsor the podcast, and that's (laughs) just out the fucking window now. First we lose Noom. Yes. (laughs) Then we lose the Central Olympic Motel. (laughs) Uh, false. Neither one expressed any interest. Anyway, um, he told her to eventually get on the bus and go to the airport and to wear a hat and lay low and go back home. And then he skedaddled. Really? Mm-hmm. <gasps> Thoughts? He really said that? Yeah. She's just free. She doesn't really think she's free. He has scared the shit out of yeah, her. Yeah, of course. Of course he has. Uh-huh. But yeah, he's just trying to like – he knows it's only a matter of time before he's he gets caught. Yeah. So what'd she do? So she still didn't know what to believe. She was so traumatized and scared. She didn't fully trust the police. She didn't trust anyone. She was convinced that if she left the motel room, she might be spotted by someone else from the sex trafficking ring and be kidnapped again. Mm -hmm. So she stayed in the motel room. But finally, she just got so hungry that she decided she had to leave and search for food. Okay. 60 Minutes Australia then says that she went went out in search of a cafe. And I was like, you know, to meet cafe – Seems kind of like cute. Mm-hmm. I'm like, huh? A 
Cafe. Okay. Turns out, I read in another article, she went to McDonald's. Do they just call cafes? Is everything a cafe in she probably got a She probably got a frappe there. No, come on. She got a McCafe frappe. No one orders those. And so, they're delicious. I've had them. You've had them? Yeah, caramel frappe. You bet your fucking ass I've had them. <laughs> I didn't realize it was time to brag. <laughs> and they are delicious. What do you pair that with? Do you pair that with the French fries? Do you do a little dip like a frosty? No, no, no. 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 It's just the just the frappe. You don't need anything with it. It doesn't require oh. any side dishes. Okay. You just get the frappe. All right. It's, it's nice. I don't know. It doesn't sound like it's for me. It sounds <laughs> like there's a lot of sweetener. The, oh, involved. for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. There's whipped cream on it, too, and a caramel drizzle mm-hmm. on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you'd hate it. (laughs) (laughs) It tastes delicious. You'd hate it. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's not your black coffee. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, she went to McDonald's, which is apparently a cafe. Yeah. Um, On the way back to the motel, an off-duty police officer spotted her and recognized her. (gasps) And he shouted out her name. So all she remembers from this point is that she was just immediately surrounded by police. They took her back to the station. They got word to her family in Belgium that she'd been found. Meanwhile, fucking Gene. Goddamn Gene. He ran back home and shaved his head. What? What's that going to do, Gene? The perfect disguise. <laughs> you I live mean, in a town of a thousand people. You right. think that shaving your head's going to... Right. Okay. And then he tried to dispose of evidence. What kind of evidence? Just keep your pants on. Oh, okay. But by the next morning, police were swarming his farm, and no one was more shocked by that than Gene's family. (gasps) Gene had a whole family? Yes. Well, what'd they think when he shaved his head? I don't know. Has he got a wife and kids? Mm-hmm. <gasps> Gene. He has a wife named Jan and a son named David. And I believe that David's girlfriend, Shane, either was living with them at this point or just staying with them. Like, they, yeah. the three of them were around this whole yeah. time. Oh, my gosh. And actually, their home was not far from the shed, but it was obscured by a bunch of trees. Yeah. So there was no way for Devine to know that, like— yeah. There was this other home. You know, she truly thought she was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, completely secluded. Absolutely. So, <laughs> Gene's wife and his son David and the girlfriend Shane are like, what is happening? They're just stunned. And when Gene they f- and Jan is very confusing. Well, I doubt they're together anymore. Does I that help? I hope not. Yeah. Mostly because you're outraged about the names. Yes. David sounds great. Yeah, it's a very unusual name. (laughs) So when they found out that Jean had been arrested for kidnapping and raping a young woman, the young woman who everyone had been searching for, David in particular was horrified. He'd always been very close to his dad, but this was unforgivable. Mm -hmm. And he was pretty blunt. He said he wonders how often this has happened. Exactly. Because he was like – my dad was acting totally normal this entire mm-hmm. time. There's no way for me to say for sure that this hasn't happened. Who knows Several how many times. times. Yeah. yeah. So Jean's poor family was reeling 
And in the meantime, investigators were finding all the evidence that he'd tried to hide. Mm -hmm. Police found the shackles that had been used on Devine at the bottom of a well. They found her cell phone in a water tank. They found a fake gun in a paddock, which is a small field where horses do jazzercise. I don't know. I didn't know what a paddock <laughs> was. I had to look it up. And they <laughs> horses do jazzercise. The really sexy ones do. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're probably used to seeing ugly horses. Yeah, that's right. I usually hang around ugly horses. The ones who do Zumba. Yeah. <laughs> All the horses I know vary into Zumba. <laughs> I know a couple... Who still do Taibo. <laughs> have you ever done Zumba? No. I don't have the skills. This is pretty rhythmic. You uh, know yeah. what I have done? What? Sweating to the oldies. Oh, Richard Simmons. Love it. Well, yeah. I yeah. had it on VHS. Well, yeah, it's a lot less intimidating. to When it's on VHS? Well, when it's like playing in your home, not necessarily. Oh, yeah, because yeah, you got to go to a Zumba class. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. I've never met Richard Simmons. <laughs> In person. Thank you so much for clarifying. You're welcome. <laughs> As if there's any way that we would get to what is this episode 212 and we would just uh, now be finding just out. Just now finding out that I somehow met Richard Simmons. If you had ever re- met Richard Simmons, that would be like, hi, I'm Brandy, and one time I met Richard That's Simmons. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, you know, police found. All this stuff that he tried to hide, they, of course, also found plenty of DNA evidence in yeah. the shed. It was all very damning. But Gene wasn't guilty. According to Gene. What? You don't believe Gene? Why, why wasn't Gene guilty? Because it was Max all along. <laughs> no, no. Oh, okay, um, great. He'd never brought Devine back to the shed. Okay, so who did? Well, here's the thing. Devine was totally full of shit. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. great. So how'd all her stuff end up there, Jean? Well, so later he did have to change his story, I'm assuming, because of the <laughs> DNA evidence, yeah. pesky DNA evidence. <laughs> yeah. And he admitted that, yeah, he'd brought her back to the shed, but that it wasn't his fault. Okay, whose fault was it then? I'm so glad you asked. In letters that he wrote from prison... Gene said that it was his son's David's fault. What the fuck did David do? Oh, this this is really something. Are you ready for this? I am. He said that he went out and got Devine because David didn't help out enough around the farm. What? Yeah. Yeah, so he went and hired help. And now she was making up this story. And it was all David's fault because David wasn't helpful Lord. enough. Isn't that awful? That's ridiculous. Go fuck yourself. Yes. Okay, I'm going to read to you from one of these letters. And, oh, God, here we go. Okay, great. Can't wait. I want to reassure you both that I'm not guilty of anything. They've only got a pack of lies to go on from the woman claiming to be the victim. She's doing it for the money. Um, for what money? Yeah, I mean... Stupid. That's stupid. Even if there was money involved. Yeah. No, she's not doing it for that, buddy. Jean Bristow's trial took place in the spring of 2019. 
Prosecutor Michael Foundas painted a picture for the court. He said that Jean Bristow lured Devine to his farm under false pretenses and threatened her with a fake gun. And once he had her in the pig shed, he held her captive and sexually assaulted her repeatedly. Yes. He said this was a premeditated and thought out plan. Yeah. The prosecution walked the jury through the entire story I just told you about Devine getting free and using her laptop to communicate with her friends and family. The prosecution also presented evidence that in the days leading up to Devine's abduction, he'd searched for shackles, handcuffs, tasers, and rohypnol on the internet. Oh, shit. They also showed that he'd purchased the fake gun on eBay. Cool. So the prosecution had a lot of evidence on their side. One might say, why not just plead guilty to this? But the defense had one hell of a story. Did they? The defense argued that all Jean had done was hire a farmhand. He'd never held her captive. He'd never sexually assaulted her. She'd slept in that pig shed and she was fine with it. She only left the farm because she couldn't handle the work. Hmm. What? I'm... Well, I mean, obviously, this is bullshit. Obviously, he did this. Yeah. It's not a terrible defense strategy, though, because how does – but there's proof. Is there proof of the assault on – You know, I didn't see that. Davina. Sorry. Is there proof of the assault on Davina? I don't don't think there is. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the things that really just – make it look bad are the fact that he told so many lies. He yeah. took this route. Yeah. I think the other thing was and I I wish well, I could I guess I could find pictures of the pig shed, but you see pictures of this pig shed and you know no one is choosing yeah. to stay in this thing. Yeah. So I mean that's that's the other thing is you you just look at this and you go, right. nope, not happening. Yeah. But don't worry, you'll hear more evidence on that theory. And I can tell you're excited to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) At trial, Gene's son David testified against his father to refute the claim that he'd hired a farmhand. That's what I was going to say. Wouldn't the family know that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, So David said that they'd never advertised for or employed a farmhand because there was never enough work on the property to justify hiring someone. Mm -hmm. This was referred to in a lot of articles as a hobby farm. So I'm assuming that just means, you know, the the family works the land and that's about all you need to do. Devine also testified in court about all that she'd been through. And on cross-examination, defense counsel Nick Healy accused her of making it up. He asked why, when she unchained herself, she didn't run away immediately. She had no idea where she was. Right. She'd also been told it was dangerous. Well, and it was dangerous because here's the other thing is like, even if you're not in as remote an area as you think you are, like at night, you don't know where to go. And you know that someone else knows that at least the general vicinity that you're going to be in. And he knows this land. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. I just can't imagine asking someone these questions. Yeah. He asked why she didn't immediately go to the police when Jean left her at the motel. Yeah. Wow. 
I've got something terrible to say. What? My thought when I hear an attorney asking a victim questions like uh-huh. this, especially when it's so clear that she's yes. not making it up. Yeah. I don't really mean this, but I do think it <laughs> – boy, that's a <laughs> – uh, I wish it upon you. Right. How would you – you have yeah. no idea how you would react in this situation. Oh, she did it all wrong? Yeah. I wish it upon you. Good fucking luck. Yeah. Hope you do it perfectly. Yeah, exactly. Hope you don't believe anything that's told to you. Hope well, you don't get and, scared. And also, she was told, like, I'm part of this big trafficking ring. And the police are in on it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she might have been a little nervous yeah. to go to the police. Also, she'd just been – Horribly, I mean, she yeah. was horribly sexually assaulted, and good God. Yeah. Oh, but you better act the way I Don't think you, you should act. Don't you dare stop off for a McCafe first. Agreed. I hope she got extra caramel on her frappe. I hope she got whatever she wanted. Yeah. So Devine responded to these questions that she had been manipulated. She said that she believed Jean when he told her that the police were corrupt. The defense wanted to paint this different picture, though, one where Devine was never held captive, never raped. She just wasn't up to the job. Here's how that line of questioning went. Yeah, how'd that go? Defense. You said to Mr. Bristow, look, I don't think I can do this kind of work. It's too hot. It's too uncomfortable. And you asked him to find out times the bus went back to Adelaide from Murray Bridge. And Devine said, I never helped him with any work. Yeah. This is infuriating. Yeah. I just cannot imagine saying that to someone. When it came time for the defense to present their case, Gene took the stand in his own defense. Cool. What did Gene have to say? Oh, so many things. Uh, on the stand, he admitted to giving Devine a false name when they corresponded online because, I mean, you really can't deny that. Okay, what's that about? What's his explanation for that? Oh, I'm glad you asked. He did it because, quote, you can call yourself what you like online. Oh, he didn't like being Gene? He wanted to be Max? Max way cooler than Gene? You're about to feel sorry for him. Are you ready? I doubt that very much, but sure. He told the jury, I've been burnt online. The reason I give another identity is to protect myself. Okay, Gene. Yeah, that's rich. Yeah. That is rich. Oh, I'm I'm just trying to protect myself. Okay. Mm-hmm. He also had to admit that he'd lied when he told her that he lived in Lamaru. Um, sorry, there's a bug <laughs> flying around. I don't know if the mic caught that. I'm like waving my hand around. <laughs> uh, also, I thought you farted and it smelled bad. And you were like, woo, get out of here. You couldn't be more wrong. My farts smell great. <laughs> <laughs> so he had to admit that he'd lied to her about the location of his farm, saying that it was way further out than it really was. And he also had to admit to lying about his farm being owned by Genesis Incorporated. He had to admit that he'd talked to other young female travelers about how he preferred women farmhands because they were gentler with young cattle than men were. Okay. So, I mean, he had to admit to a lot. Yeah. But so all that stuff that she said, that's all true. But when 
That's where it is. That's where I draw the line. Yeah, the stuff that we have a record of. Yeah, yeah that is all true. So there's there is that, but um, he committed no crimes. Yeah, she making all the rest of it up. He said she was on my property of her own free will, and she left of her own free will. Fuck off, Jean. He testified that he'd never chained her up and that the reason she wanted to sleep in the pig shed was because she couldn't handle the heat outside. Okay. When asked why he didn't tell his wife about the fact that they had a backpacker in the pig shed, which I love that question. Yeah. 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 Jean explained that they were a private family. Yeah, we're pretty private. I don't usually tell, tell my, my wife, wife anything. kids when I've kidnapped a woman and never <laughs> chained up in the pig shed. I tend to keep all my terrible crimes to myself. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He said, my wife describes us as a private family. We don't let strangers into our lives very easily. We have been taken advantage of financially. Once again, he's a victim of some. Okay, you know, he's been burned online. He's yeah. been taken advantage of mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Another reason that he didn't tell his wife about the backpacker was that she'd been on his ass about him being unemployed, and his wife wouldn't have liked it if she found out that he was spending money on a farmhand. He also told the court that Devine had been content in the shed. Mm-hmm. He said that Devine knew that his house was just up the lane, and that if she needed a shower or anything else, she could just go up the lane. He said if she needed anything at all, she only had to ask. Oh, okay. So did she need to ask not to be sexually assaulted then, Jean? It's also interesting, like, so which is it? Because you're saying she could go up to the house any time oh, with your also, wife there. Yeah, the but also your know. wife couldn't know because yeah. she'd be mad. Because they were a private family. Yeah, that's very contradictory. The jury deliberated for three hours. And they found him guilty of aggravated kidnapping, rape, and indecent assault. Oh. I it, like that one. I've never heard of that one before. Hmm. Indecent assault. I think we have it here, don't we? I've never heard of that. We have that? I think so. I've heard of indecent liberties. I've not heard of indecent assault. Ba, 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 ba. What's he sentenced to? Hang on. Oh, okay. Is there more before that? Yeah. Okay. In her victim impact statement, Devine talked about how the crime had changed her. She'd gone to Australia happy and independent and confident, and she'd come back anxious and scared and haunted by flashbacks. Of course. course. She said, I don't think you should be allowed out of jail. I would never want anyone else to go through what I went through. District Court Judge Geraldine Davison sentenced Jean to 18 years in prison with eligibility for parole after 12 and a half. Mm-hmm. That seems low seems to me. Seems really low. But we live in America, and in America, I mean, we, we, we really lock take, people up for, well, forever. forever. And we take kidnapping. Kidnapping is an American crime, so... <laughs> it is. It's I know. Like originated I know. in America. Brandy, you don't have to tell me. You've told me so much about kidnapping <laughs> on this very podcast. I just. I think it's I not seen as as serious of a crime. I'm with David on this one. Of like, we don't know. How yeah, many how many times, times he's, he's done, done this? It. Exactly. Especially if you're taking advantage specifically of backpackers. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's a pretty vulnerable group of people. Absolutely. The judge told him, your offending has left her as a person who feels she cannot trust others, is uncomfortable and cautious around men, and is anxious and feels unsafe. No one has a right to make another feel like this. Mm-hmm. Gene appealed his sentence, but it was denied because he's stupid. That's yeah. not really why. That's why. But, you know. Yeah. Davina is still recovering from what she went through. She said that for a long time she couldn't be alone. She couldn't mm-hmm. walk the dog alone. But then one day she could. She started taking self-defense classes and she's trying to cope with all the emotions that come with surviving something so traumatic. She said that initially she felt very ashamed for having been tricked by this predator. Her family had to tell her again and again that it wasn't her fault. Yeah, it's not your fault. Her stepdad, Luke, said something on 60 Minutes that I kind of liked, so I want to read it now. Yeah. He said, she's not fully back yet, but we can laugh again. There's something broken, and if something is broken, it has sharp edges. Those edges will become round one day. It will be good, but not the same. Oh, my gosh. That's such an accurate way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's an incredible story of survival. Ooh. Yeah. Holy cow. I hate that he put her through a trial. So do I. Like you and then knew just you lied. Were, yeah, you knew you were going away forever. Like, yeah. Well, no, not even forever. You knew you were going to be found guilty. Yeah. Ugh. Oh. That was terrible. (laughs) I'm sorry. But really good. It was really interesting. I found it interesting too. But yeah, I mean, it it is just awful. Yeah. I really felt for her so much. She said – she talked a lot um, about just not feeling safe anymore. Yeah. How how much was taken from her. Well, yeah, and I think that's the – The thing that hits me so hard about that is that she was such an adventurous person willing Mm -hmm. to take so many risks and like, yeah, had this amazing adventurous life. Yeah. And that was like stolen from her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to go from being that adventurous to being afraid to walk the dog. Yeah. And she even said that that first day when she was able to walk her dog again, she was still looking over her shoulder. Of course. Of course. Yeah. It's just so awful. I I think it's really brave that she – I mean she's been very out and open with, yeah. you know, like obviously when something like this happens to you, you don't have to put your name to it. You don't have right. to do anything. Yeah. But I think it's pretty incredible that she has talked about her experiences and hopefully it helps other people. Yeah. And hopefully Gene can <sighs> impale himself on a pogo stick. I don't know. Yeah, I think they have pogo sticks in Australian <laughs> prisons. So. Yeah, that's like a main thing they yeah. do. <laughs> the other funny thing was, I guess he's from um, England originally, and so like part of his punishment is when he gets out of prison, he might get sent back to England, jolly old England. Which I, it's like, all right, whatever. I don't know. I'm, I'm just so American because I'm like, lock him up. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Forever. <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so um, I've got a terrible story to tell you. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Shout outs to a couple of places. Shout out to episode of Snapped. Oh my gosh, of course. I feel like it's been a minute since I did an episode of Snapped. It's kind of a classic brandy, It is a classic brandy. It absolutely is. Also, Jim Fisher True Crime. He's a blogger and a true crime author, and uh, so got some information from his blog. It was lovely. Very well written. Okay. Um, And articles for... Am I live? Which I believe is Michigan Live. Okay. <laughs> Actually, it's not even Am I Live. It's just M Live. But this happens in Michigan, so I believe okay, the M stands yeah. for Michigan. It would be hilarious if it didn't. If it didn't, yes. It was three o eight a.m. on May eighteenth, twenty thirteen, in Jackson, Michigan, when a call came into the city's nine one one dispatch center. The unidentified caller said. There's a man. He's bleeding a lot. He needs help. Just come fast. The caller then gave an address on the city's north side, but when pressed for more information, such as the nature of the man's injuries or her own identity, the caller hung up. Mm. The dispatcher, unsure of exactly what was going on, went ahead and dispatched EMS and police to the address the caller had given, and then a moment later, the woman called again. She said... So are you sending an ambulance or what? Well, how fast did they she expect, <laughs> expect to the, get there? Yeah. So the dispatcher was like, yeah, you know, we have an ambulance en route. Can you tell me more about what's going on? Where are you? Who are you? And again, the caller hung up. When first responders arrived at the address given by the mystery caller, they found an older home that had been converted into several small apartments They found the door to an upstairs apartment standing open, so they went in, and they located a gruesome scene inside the small apartment. There was blood everywhere. The floor, the walls, the ceiling, and there appeared to have been quite a struggle as there were items thrown all over the room, and there was like a 
shit ton of objects that had blood on them. Mm. There was a broken lamp that had blood on it. There was a bent frying pan that was covered in blood. There was a like a little end table that had a glass top. The table had blood all over it. It was broken. The glass was shattered. And there, in the middle of the apartment, laying on a deflated air mattress, was the body of 38-year-old Marcel Hill. Marcel had been stabbed 11 times with a large knife, and then he'd been sliced from chest to belly. Oh, my. He'd also suffered blunt force trauma to his head, and defensive wounds were present all over his hands and arms. Marcel had suffered a horrible death. Investigators knew they needed to speak to whoever had placed those calls to 911, but no one else was present in the apartment. Around that time, though, the woman called 911 again. She asked for an update on the condition of the man in the apartment. Hello, murderer. Yeah, Yeah. this is ridiculous. She asked, can you just tell me if they're taking them to the hospital, please? And the dispatcher... Is she getting sassy yet? I'd be getting a little sassy. So the dispatcher didn't really know what to say, but she was like, okay, ma'am, they have made contact at the address, but they really need to speak to you. Yeah. Where are you? Who are you? But again, Mm -hmm. the caller hung up. By this time, though, police on the scene had a pretty good idea of who the caller was. The mailbox for the address listed two residents. One was Marcel Hill, the man laying dead in the apartment, and the other was 31-year-old Camille Gamet, Marcel's girlfriend of a little less than a year. Camille had had a really tough childhood. She and her siblings had been removed from their mother's care due to her struggles with addiction. So her mother had been in an abusive relationship with her father. Mm. Um, she'd actually left that, moved the family away from Michigan. She moved to Ohio, I believe. Okay. Got them away, but then really battled with addiction. And yeah. ultimately, the children were removed from her care. And after that, Camille entered the foster care system and moved around, like, she was spent time in like 13 different oh. foster homes or group homes or institutions. She never stayed in one place long. Yeah. Um, she was separated from her siblings. By the time she was 16, she left the foster care system and was just like out on her own. Mm-hmm. She worked jobs here and there and got some assistance from Social Security, but her life was really hard. It was really tough. She managed to get her GED. But shortly after that, she fell into kind of that same cycle her mother had. She battled addiction and substance abuse and ended up in abusive relationship after abusive relationship. Her brother said she was drawn to the same type of men their mother was. He went on to say that when you grow up seeing your father beat your mother, you start to internalize that as what a loving relationship looks like. Yeah. And so he it said, fucks with what you think is absolutely. normal. Absolutely. And so he said that every man Camille ended up with beat her. Mm. Over the years, Camille gave birth to four children, and eventually, due to her own battles with substance abuse, her children were removed from her care. By 2011, Camille was deep in her addiction, and she was dealing with a multitude of 
mental health issues, including a deep depression over losing custody of her children. Yeah. And she ended up serving a year in prison on burglary charges. According to her brother, though, Camille came out of prison ready to make some big changes in her life. And one of those changes included moving back to Michigan, where she hadn't lived since she was a young child. She'd kind of floated around Iowa and Ohio through the foster mm-hmm. care system. And then now she wanted to, like, start her life over. And she thought, I'm going to move back to Michigan. She still had some biological family members there. She was hoping she could reconnect with them. She really just, like, wanted to get a job, make a life for herself, and then petition to get her children back. So in the summer of 2012, Camille moved to Jackson, Michigan, and she began looking for a job. And that's when she ran into Marcel Hill. She had actually met Marcel years earlier when she was a teenager. So right after she left the foster care system when she was like 16, she'd come back to Jackson, Michigan, hoping at that time to reconnect with her biological family, mm-hmm. and it hadn't worked out. She ended up, like, staying at a drug house, and, like, it mm-hmm. just went very badly. Yeah, and, But it was during that time that she had initially met Marcel Hill. Marcel Hill was a 38-year-old man, not when she was a teenager. He's 38 now. Do you think I need to specify that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... When Camille moved back to Michigan in 2012, she's 31. She meets, she runs into Marcel. All Marcel right. Hill is a 38-year-old man. He has physical and cognitive disabilities. According to his family, he had suffered from fetal alcohol syndrome, which resulted in cognitive impairments. And then as a child, he contracted meningitis, which resulted in him walking with a very distinct and recognizable limp. Mm -hmm. And he also suffered from severe scoliosis. As a result of his disabilities, Marcel was unable to stand long enough to achieve his dream of becoming a chef. And so he supplemented his disability income by working as a line cook at fast food restaurants. Like that was as close as he could get Mm -hmm. to, you know, the industry he wanted to be in. But Marcel craved normalcy. He wanted a job. He wanted to live on his own. And more than anything, he wanted a girlfriend. Hmm. Due to his cognitive impairments, though, he would often get overwhelmed by kind of the daily tasks that are required of an adult living independently, such as paying bills and doing laundry. So he actually got enrolled in some kind of social security program where he got a benefit to pay a chore person. Mm -hmm. So he would get a small amount of money and that amount of money would be paid to someone who would assist him in completing those tasks. I believe that job was being filled by his cousin until Camille Gamet reentered Marcel's life in June of 2012. So as I mentioned, Camille and Marcel had met when she was a teenager, and then she'd left town. She'd come back. In the summer of 2012, when Camille moved back to Jackson, she was, like, going down the street, and she saw Marcel Hill riding his bike and recognized him immediately, mm-hmm. even though, like, 15 years had passed. I get that. Do you get that? Yeah, I get it. Okay, okay. So she stopped him. They talked. And like in the blink of an eye, they were dating and living together. And Camille had taken over as Marcel's paid chore person. It was an arrangement that worked out great for everyone. Yeah, except you're telling me about it. And there was an episode of Snapped about it. Yeah. 
Okay, so now we're back to those early morning hours in May when police have responded to those three anonymous 911 calls and they find Marcel Hill brutally murdered in his apartment. And police knew they needed to find this mystery caller whom they believed to be Camille mm-hmm. Gamet. And they also believed that that person was responsible for the murder of Marcel Hill. Yeah. So I don't know if you know this, but cell phones go ping and uh-huh. towers go pong. What? And then we'll know your location all the day long, right? You're so they a genius. ping the phone that had placed those 911 calls. How try the? triangulate they a location? The triangulation, the <laughs> triangulation, and it gave them a spot that was like twenty five feet from this apartment. Well, shit. It was kind of like a wooded area, just like a lot of brush, and so they go poking around in there, and well, you know, they found fucking Camilla just like hiding Wait, in the they bushes. Found her in the bushes? Yes. Well, Camilla, I mean, yes. So she comes out of there, and she has blood all over her clothes. Yeah. And so they— But you know what, though? It it makes sense because she kept calling because she wanted to know what was yeah, happening. What was so happening. It, it does make sense that she wouldn't go far. Yeah. So they took her into custody at that time, and they you know took her down to the station to do an interrogation, whatever. She— was under the influence of both drugs and alcohol that night. She acted mm-hmm. pretty erratically in the interrogation room. She did seem genuinely distressed when they told her that Marcel was dead. Yeah. But it turns out that investigators were somewhat familiar with Marcel and Camilla because there was a history of abuse mm-hmm. between the couple. There were multiple accounts from friends and family and even a couple of police reports about incidences where Camilla had been violent towards Marcel. In one incident, she had stabbed him with a knife in the stomach and then she'd stitched it up with thread herself. He'd showed a family member and been like, it was an accident. She didn't mean to. And they were like, you need to get that looked at. And he's like, well, no, yeah. no, it's fine. Oh, gosh. Another time, Marcel had gone to the hospital with a collapsed lung. Oh, my God. What did she do to him? He told the doctors that he had tripped and fallen down the stairs uh-huh. and landed on a nail. And that had caused a puncture wound. But really, Camilla had stabbed him and punctured his lung. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Again, his family members. But they members, had to know that that couldn't be true because surely a, a stab wound looks a lot different from a, from a nail going into your lung, yeah. right? So his family knew that that wasn't the case. But also it was very classic domestic violence where he was like, well, she didn't mean to do it. It was an accident. I'm not going to press any charges. And he never – no police report was ever made over that one. The doctors had notes about, you know – Of course they did. I mean, um, yeah. But again, he was like, oh, you know, not, I fell down the stairs. Oh, God. Poor Marcel. Mm-hmm. A third incident actually resulted in a police report where Marcel was hit over the head twice with a hammer. <gasps> 
by Camille and he sought medical attention. And at this point, his family was with him and he told the family members, he told the doctors Mm -hmm. that Camille had beat him in the head with a hammer. Um, And then he at that time told them, yeah, that time that I came in with the punctured lung, she had stabbed me. I didn't fall down the stairs. And so that at that time, Camille was arrested and actually had been charged with assault and domestic violence. But then Marcel wrote a letter to the court saying he couldn't be sure that it was Camille who did it Mm. and that he didn't want to move forward with pressing charges. Yeah. And so the charges were dropped. Oh, God, I hate these. It's just a very very typical cycle of domestic violence. I think that's why it's so sad. Yeah. Is it so common. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing here that's not super common is that it's the male who Mm -hmm. seems to be the victim. Yeah. So – they learn this pretty quickly that there's been, you know, reports. Police have been called to this address. They talked to some neighbors that day too and they're like, mm-hmm. there's always things going on in there. That woman is always yelling and screaming at him. You know, lots of neighbors had woken up to the sound of some kind of argument that night. And so Camilla is arrested. She tells them a story that night while she's being interrogated But they don't believe her story. Her story is that she had taken drugs and alcohol and then Mm -hmm. she passed out in the living room. And then she woke up to glass being broken over her head. She was being attacked. The apartment was pitch black. And so she just reached for whatever was around her. And she first grabbed a lamp and she used that to fight off her attacker. Once the lamp broke, she then reached for something else, and the closest thing to her was a knife. And How so yeah. she hit her attacker three times mm-hmm. with the knife, and then she managed to get away. She got up, turned the light on, and oh no, that's when she found out it was Marcel. Yeah. And so she'd run from the apartment and called 911. Except at first she denied calling 911. She denied that she had a cell phone. Oh, well. So they'd actually recovered only half of the cell phone uh-huh. in those bushes that she was <laughs> hiding in. Uh-huh. And she denied that it was hers, denied that she owned a cell phone. And then when they like stripped her down, took her clothes for evidence, the other half of the cell phone was in her bra. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But I've always got a half a cell phone in my bra. <laughs> oh, just in and case I'll of be damned if I know who's in <laughs> That's right. That's right. So Camille was arrested and charged with the murder of Marcel Hill, though she claimed that it was self-defense in that she simply was fighting off an intruder in the dark. She hadn't intended to kill anyone, and she certainly hadn't intentionally killed her partner, the man she loved. And had Abused, abused horribly. horribly over the last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Camille's trial started in February of 2014. In the prosecution's opening statement, the prosecutor laid Camille out to the jury as a violent person and a proven liar. They talked about how her statement didn't match up, how she mm-hmm. claimed she didn't have a cell phone. They found the cell phone. On her, And so the jury was not to believe any of these stories that she yeah. was going to tell and that she had deliberately 
and knowingly stabbed and slashed Marcel Hill to death. Because even in her story, she was like, oh, I, you know, hit him like three times to get him off and then I ran. Marcel was stabbed 11 times on the front and back of his body. And then the knife was run down his body. Oh, God. Yeah. Camille's defense attorney, Anthony Reduazzo, Reduazzo, mm-hmm. you think that's how it's pronounced? Don't ask me anything. <laughs> <laughs> Told the jury that, you know, this was just self-defense. That this was just. He should have said self-defense. <laughs> self-defense, yeah. <laughs> that Camille had woke up from a drug-induced stupor that night to the sound of shattering glass. That table had been broken over her head. Mm-hmm. And she believed that she was being attacked by an intruder. And so she'd grabbed whatever was around her and she'd used it to defend herself. Her attorney said that Camille had acted out of a fear-driven rage. And that she had even, you know, gotten a few injuries herself. Name them. Um, She had like a bruise (laughs) and then like a little cut. But hadn't like a table been broken over? Uh-huh, her head, yeah, so no, mm-hmm. yeah, no injuries from that. No, like big slash on her face from glass being broken over her head. Boy, isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool stuff. So the prosecution had a bunch of witnesses who testified. One of the people who lived in the apartment with Mm -hmm. them or in the apartment building with them testified. Her name was Michelle Winters. And so she testified that she heard them fight all the time. She did say that one time she heard somebody in the apartment say, you know, go ahead and hit me. And she couldn't be sure if it was Marcel or Camille Mm -hmm. that had said it. But there was constantly arguing and fighting going on inside this apartment. Another resident of the apartment building testified that she lived in an apartment like right across from their apartment. She had a window that kind of looked directly into the kitchen because like her apartment like jutted out and had a window and then their apartment was back here and had a window so she could look out her window and see directly in their kitchen and on the night of Marcel's murder she had woken up to hear glass breaking this is a rear window situation yes she'd gotten up she'd looked out her window and could see directly into their kitchen and she saw Marcel Hill cowering on the floor with his hands over his face like Camille threw glasses and plates at him. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Wait, and she didn't call? So I think that she did call the police. Okay. One of the articles said other neighbors also called the police. Um, okay. That okay. Camille's calls were not the only calls that came right. into 911 right. that night. Yeah. The medical examiner testified about... All of the injuries to Marcel's body had 11 sharp force injuries to his head, chest, back, and arms. Multiple stab wounds would have been fatal on their own. Mm -hmm. So it's impossible to know which one was like the fatal blow. There were also gaping lacerations to Marcel's head, which the medical examiner believed were caused by that frying pan Mm -hmm. that had blood all over it. So Marcel hadn't just been sta- – he'd been horribly beaten yeah. oh, God. in addition to being stabbed to death. 
As part of the programs that Marcel was in due to his cognitive impairments and his Mm -hmm. disability benefits that he received, he had a caseworker. And that caseworker testified that Marcel had told her about the incident with the hammer some months earlier and that at that time he had also admitted that when he had fallen down the stairs, he hadn't actually fallen down the stairs, that he had been stabbed by Camille. And his caseworker had said – Marcel, you have to get out of this relationship. If you don't, she's going to kill you. Mm. Marcel's aunt testified to something very similar, that they begged him to get out of this relationship because they feared that Camilla would kill him. God, this is so sad. he He wanted normalcy in his life so bad that he made excuses for her behavior. I mean, it's just... Typical domestic violence yeah. stuff where you're like, yeah. no, 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 she really loves me. That she won't, she won't do this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of the gist of the prosecution's case. They had, you know, the physical evidence. They presented every – they took out every item from the apartment that was found with Marcel's blood on it and showed the jury these are the items she beat him and murdered him with oh. that night. So then it was the defense's turn and they tried to present evidence showing that Marcel was a violent offender himself. So Marcel was a registered sex offender and I don't mm-hmm. sorry I don't have any more details on that. All I know is that he was convicted of a second degree felony sexual assault and as a result was a registered sex offender. Okay. So the defense gets up and they want to present all of this evidence about how Marcel has been abusive to Camille mm-hmm. previously. I don't know what that evidence was going to be. I didn't find any proof of that. Didn't find any arrest records. Didn't find any anything claiming any previous abuse from him. But right. this is what the defense cuts up, and they're gonna they want to they want to present. And the prosecution's like, ho 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 ho, hold the fucking phone here. You are saying that your defense here is that Camille didn't know she was killing Marcel. Camille thought she was fighting an intruder. And so if that's the case, no evidence of Marcel being a violent offender Ah, is pertinent to this case. That's really interesting. Yeah. And so the defense is like, no, 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 it's pertinent to this case. And the judge is like, no, no. With the defense you are wanting to put forward. Wow. It's not pertinent to this case. It's not pertinent at all, any kind of previous arrest record or or any police reports or anything, if you have that stuff. Yeah. Again, I don't know if that stuff existed. Right, right. But the judge is like, no. So you need to think about if this is really the defense route you want to go. So if you want to go that she thought she was fighting off an unknown intruder – You can't present any of that testimony, any of that evidence. And so they took a short recess and the defense conferred with Camille and they decided they would move forward with their planned defense that she didn't know who she was fighting Mm -hmm. that night in that apartment. And so no evidence about Marcel being a registered sex offender or anything like that was allowed at the trial. Okay. Instead... Camille testified in her own defense. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you should talk about her life story a little bit. Some of the stuff that I've already told you. She was 31 years old. She was originally born in Michigan and then was removed from her parents' care. Spent all that time floating around the foster care system. And then she had returned to Michigan to try and rebuild her life and had just run in to Marcel, who she recognized from when she was a teenager. She said their relationship moved very fast, but she wouldn't necessarily label it a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. Really? Mm-hmm. He was someone she loved and, you know— They'd probably get married eventually. Huh. Yeah, on the night of her interrogation, they were like, is that your boyfriend? And she said, no, he's just someone I care about. That's so weird. It's so weird. It's so weird. But she said they often did drugs together and that she suffered from all kinds of mental health issues. She said that she had been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, major depression, bipolar disorder, ADHD, and antisocial personality disorder. And that she was on medications for those things, but then also she was a habitual crack cocaine user and that she and Marcel regularly did that together. Mm -hmm. She did testify that their relationship, however you chose to categorize it, was rocky And that when they were using drugs and when they were drinking, things got physical. But on both sides. They were both physical with each other. Mm. Mm -hmm. She said that particular day they had been over at Marcel's cousin's house. They'd had a lot to drink. They'd done some drugs. And so when she got back, she just kind of like passed out on their inflatable mattress in their living room and – She woke up to the sound of glass shattering over her head. She said it was pitch black in the room and she was startled. She was confused and she could feel someone hitting her repeatedly in the back of the head. Sorry, She said she jumped up and reached for the lamp, but the lamp broke in her hand. She had intended to turn it on and Mm -hmm. see who was attacking her. But the lamp broke and so she just began to swing it around and that's when she kind of like – fell to the ground and she was just feeling for what was around her and she found her purse and that's when she felt like she felt she felt for her purse she was going to grab her cell phone to like light up the room with her cell phone but right next to her purse was a knife that she had used previously in the day to hang up some curtains what uh-huh that's what she says on the stand how did she use the knife to that's hang- a great question and so she said as she grabbed the no- as she grabbed the, the knife, knife, the knife, <laughs> as she grabbed the knife, she heard a voice, a voice she did not recognize, say, uh-huh. bitch, I'm going to kill you. Okay. And so she just started swinging. You know, this is such a good reminder that everyone should go into their living room right now and pick up all the knives they've got Yeah, scattered just around. have laying around. We shouldn't yeah. do that. I know we, we all do it, mm-hmm. but we shouldn't. Yeah. And she said it wasn't until she got away and turned on the bathroom light that she saw it was Marcel that she'd been fighting. She said she tried yelling his name, but he didn't respond. And so she went outside and she called 911. It's amazing that the neighbor across the street or whatever mm-hmm. was able to see that it was uh-huh. him, but she wasn't able to see that yeah. it was him. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Also that she didn't recognize any of the sounds that her boyfriend of a year was making. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
get really interesting. She explained that she didn't tell the 911 dispatcher what her name was because she realized that something serious had happened after she saw that it was Marcel and Mm -hmm. that she just wanted to get help to him as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. She said also the reason that her phone was like half in her bra and half in the woods was not because she was trying to hide it. She she just – it broke – and so she picked up the part that she found of it and put it in her bra. Yeah, but why lie about it? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She said she remembered being taken into custody that night and being taken to the police station, but that she recalls that she was severely injured and nobody offered her aid. The police records show this very differently. She said that she had cuts all over her feet and her legs. Mm-hmm. They cataloged only small scratches from her being in those bushes. Yeah. And like no other injuries to her body. Certainly no injuries to her head where she said she had been beat over the head multiple times. There's no – there's n- nothing factual to back back up her version. Sounds like you don't believe account. her, Brandy. I do not what believe her. Hell? I do not believe her. She then testified that Marcel was her only source of income as she was his paid chore provider. She said that she'd taken on that position a few months earlier after they'd moved in together and gotten into this relationship, but that he was actually in the process of removing her as his chore provider because his family was encouraging that he separated from her. Yeah. Well, so there. Yeah. There's the reason. Exactly. The most dangerous time to be in an abusive relationship is when you're trying to leave. Yeah. Yep. Ugh. Yep. Also testifying for the defense was the father of Camille's children. He said that their relationship was abusive, mm-hmm. but it was abusive at his hands. She was never abusive to him. Wow. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I think that's possible. Mm-hmm. And I think that someone can be abused so many times that they then find someone to be the abuser of. I think it's it's likely that Camille spent her whole life mm-hmm. being abused by someone. Mm-hmm. And then – not necessarily sought Marcel out to become a victim, but found herself in this relationship with Marcel. Who was a vulnerable person. Who was person. a vulnerable person and was like, oh, I don't have to be the yeah. abused anymore. Yeah. And it's totally normal for a relationship to be abusive. Yeah. Every relationship she'd ever been in had been abusive. Every relationship she'd ever seen had been abusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's just a very, very sad, sad story about how abuse affects people. Yeah. I also wondered if um, – because initially I was like, man, I, I'm surprised he's just admitting mm-hmm. that, yeah, I was abusive to her. Yeah. I wonder if there's some embarrassment about being a man yeah. who's being abused potentially. Oh, yeah. so, well, and I think that's the thing that Marcel's family thought about him. Mm. So he was embarrassed to admit he was being abused. Yeah. And so yeah, he covered it up for – Several months before he wasn't able to anymore. Yeah, yeah. 
and before I think it got to a point where he was really scared. Sure. Oh, God. Yeah. This is a really fun story. I'm so glad you chose to tell it. Yeah. Yep. In the defense's closing arguments, um, Camille's attorney told the jury, she is a woman and she is asleep and she is full of drugs and she's full of liquor. Did she react in a thoughtful manner or did she jump up and try to defend herself? That's what the defense said? That's what the defense said. (laughs) Well, they've just given up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He also pointed out that Camille didn't try to clean up the scene at all or Mm -hmm. dispose of Marcel's body in any way. He said, if this was a pre-planned and premeditated attack, it was a heck of a bad plan. Sure. Yeah. Okay. In the prosecutor's closing arguments, uh, they told the jury the victim here did not die quickly. He knew his death was coming. He tried to protect himself and flee, but he was no match for Camille. He never was a match. Wow. They continued, she has barely a scratch and he was eviscerated. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this poor man. Mm -hmm. The jury deliberated for only a short time before finding Camille guilty of first-degree murder. So this was kind of interesting. Camille was charged with open murder. I had never heard of this. I've never heard of that either. So open murder is where they are allowing the judge or the jury, whoever the trial goes in front Mm -hmm. of, to determine what degree of murder it is. Oh, okay. And so the jury decided on first-degree murder. And the and the prosecution asked for this. They said, you know, yeah. Marcel was stabbed 11 times. After the second stab, she could have stopped. After the third stab, she could have stopped. After the fourth stab, she could have stopped. Each continual stab shows premeditation. She continued to do it. She continued to carry it out until he was dead. Hmm. Okay. And so the jury agreed with that and they found her guilty of first-degree murder. Things really went downhill at the sentencing okay. in this trial. Camille, who had sat pretty quietly through the rest of the trial, was pissed that she had been found guilty. <laughs> and she made it fucking known. Okay. Yeah. Marcel's aunt read a victim impact statement in court during the sentencing mm-hmm. and she's reading it and she says I hope you remember the cries of help that he screamed as you plunged the knife in and out of his body mm. and Camille laughed oh, and rolled her eyes and said is that it? Oh shit mm-hmm. and the judge looked at her and said, you're going to shut your mouth or you're going to get duct tape put on it. Oh, <gasps> woof. Yeah. Remind me again, what state was this? Michigan. Michigan, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And Camille said, he attacked me. I've been convicted on lies. Well, no, it was physical evidence. Physical evidence. Physical evidence. And the judge is like, I will find duct tape. <laughs> you know what? 
This is on the judge because the judge should have had the duct, <laughs> the duct tape. tape ready to go. This judge was unprepared. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcel's aunt continued her statement and she said, Marcel loved you with all he had to give. And you know as well as we do here that there was no love from you. Mm. The only gift you had for him was the gift of death. Oh. Yeah. Following the victim impact statements, the judge imposed the sentence, which I think is a mandatory sentence. She was sentenced to life in prison mm-hmm. without the possibility of parole. And when she stood there with her defense attorney, her defense attorney was like, oh, I understand, you know, you're doing what you have to do. It's a mandatory sentence, whatever, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And then the judge like, let Camille have it. He said, you gutted him in that apartment like a fish. You were relentless. You stabbed. You stabbed. You stabbed. You stabbed. You stabbed until he was dead. I agree with the family. I hope you die in prison as well. Whoa. And if this was a death penalty state, you'd be getting the chair. Wow. Yeah. So Camille appealed her sentence based on – in part based on this outburst by the judge at the end of her trial. But the appeals court ruled that basically she'd already been convicted at that point Mm -hmm. and so played no part in her conviction. And so they denied her appeal. She also appealed based on how they wouldn't let the evidence about Marcel being a registered sex offender and Mm -hmm. having a violent – offense on his record and at trial. And again, the appeals court sided with the district court and said, no, that it wasn't relevant to this case based on the defense that you were presenting. Right, right. This is not the first time the judge, this judge has had outbursts like this. I was going to say, this is He's kind of known for this behavior. Uh Some people have called for his removal because of it, because a judge should be more professional than that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, less biased than that. But he has shrugged it off. And he said, sometimes I think a judge needs a little fire. And also, I'd like to point out that I found an article that said that he's run unopposed in the last yeah. two elections. So <laughs> that is the story of domestic violence. What do you think about that, Judge? I think he's out of line. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're required to be way more professional than that as a judge. Yeah. Yeah, I think he ran a real risk of of. This conviction being overturned because he did mm-hmm. that. I get that the appeals court sided with him in this case, but he also did some stuff throughout the trial, which is allowed but f- kind of frowned upon. He he questioned witnesses, oh, which is allowed, uh-huh. but it's supposed to be really like you're only supposed to clarify stuff for right. the jury. Never ask additional questions. It uh-huh. seems like he he pushed that did whatever the fuck he yeah. wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to hear someone go off on somebody like this. Mm -hmm. I also think the other side of me is you have a woman who's just been convicted of murder being disrespectful to the victim's family. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be really difficult to hold your tongue on that moment. But it's your job. It is your job. It's absolutely your job. It's your job. And I guess – 
it's funny you're you're kind of taking one one stance. My mm-hmm. my stance is more that like it concerns me to see someone be so black and white. Oh yeah, about an issue. Although I think of course she did this, and you yeah. know, there's no question, and she shouldn't be having that kind of reaction to the victim impact statement. Blah yeah. blah blah. But I, this stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum. No. You know, like that was generational trauma for Absolutely. her. That was like her whole life led to that. And I think that's the other thing that's so tough about domestic violence cases is there's not always going to be a perfect victim. Well, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Um, I mean, I think there's – Camille was a victim her whole life too. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean – yeah, there's no Marcel did not have to be a perfect person for this to be a horrible murder. Right. Y- yes. And it's okay if a part of you feels terrible for Camilla's life because this was learned behavior to her. Mm-hmm. She was taught this is what relationships look like. This is what love looks like. And it's just terrible all the way around. Ugh. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, it's a it's a complicated one. <laughs> I've got complicated feelings. <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You know what I think we should do now? Oh, should we take some questions from our Discord? <laughs> that was a pregnant pause. Sorry, look at this picture I just got of my baby. She watched TV. That's so cute. <laughs> The way you get into this Discord is you sign up for our Patreon at the $5 level or higher. You get access to all the old bonus episodes, and you get into the Discord to chitty-chat the day away and ask questions for the end of our episodes. Ooh, the Grace Kelly of Not Giving a Fuck wants to know, Okay, ladies, very controversial. Drums or flats? I'm all flats. I hate the cartilage on a drum. Are we talking about buffalo wings? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm all drummies all the way. I'm I don't like flats. flats at all. I love flats. That's I, why we're such good wing friends. That's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. We can split a plate of wings without any animosity. No, no arguments at all. Okay. Hold the fucking phone here. Mm-hmm. Mel Bell says, no question, but my sister Haley, who introduced me to LGTC, had her baby on Sunday. Congratulations to the Pounds on welcoming their new little baby boy into the home. Is your sister's last name Pounds? No fucking way. 
What's wrong with that? That is not a common name. All right. I'm sorry. Everyone, that was Brandy's That's my maiden name. name. That's my family name. Are we related? <laughs> Mel Bell, reach out, please. <laughs> Also, congratulations, yes, to your yes. sister congratulations on, new baby. on the new baby Jeez. boy. Jesus, sorry. <laughs> Peg the Watcher, same. Y'all have any wedding planning tips? I'm in the throes and very stressed about it. As am I, Peg. I have no. I have no tips. Are you for real stressed? I'm about a little it? stressed. Oh, you I feel like I got a lot it? of decisions to make. Okay. Like, and I need to make them like two weeks ago. So. What's up there? I mean, what's like? I still, I got a book. Oh, my, I got a book. So much stuff still. Okay. I got a book. A DJ. I got a book. A wedding. I've got an old iPod. We no, just put we're on. not doing that. This is a fan. <laughs> we're doing like kind of a fancy little wedding. It's I, a fancy iPod. It's no. <laughs> I don't think it is. <laughs> I do just stuff. I got a book still, and you yeah. gotta book that stuff in advance. So like, I need to do it like now. It's mm-hmm. <sighs> fine. I'm getting stressed now. <laughs> Anyway, good luck, Peg. I hope this has helped. <laughs> I'm sure it did. Boy, Peg, you going to use some of those tips there, are you? <laughs> All right. <sighs> Ew. Caroline is okay. Asks, have you ever made congealed salad? Does that just mean like a jello salad? Is it a salad? jello salad? Why would you say it that Don't way? Don't call it congealed salad. <laughs> You know what that makes me think of? What? Blood. Oh, yeah. Blood congeals. Sure does. <laughs> Do you remember when you brought that congealed salad? No! I've never brought congealed salad anywhere. People were horrified. It was just a couple old tampons. <laughs> <laughs> that is disgusting. <laughs> there was blood everywhere. <laughs> Fierce Mama Llama wants to know, which case would you each love to cover but are held back by the lack of court stuff? There are two cases that I've wanted to do for forever, but they're not really cases. Yeah. There's not much to them. What do you got? Okay. I am fascinated by Rachel Dolezal. Oh, yeah. The white lady. Yeah. became like the head of the- NAACP. In in Washington. In Washington. Yeah. Yeah. And who pretended to be black- that is wild to me. Yes. Also a wild one. You know that story about the lady who pretended to be in the World Trade Center? on. Oh, yes. Line? Yeah. And like she would one-up people uh-huh. when they were telling their survival stories. Yep. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Those are those are the ones where I'm like, oh, gosh, I wish there was court stuff because I would cover the cover shit, the out, shit of that. out of that. Yeah. What about you? Is there stuff like that for you? Oh, I mean I, there's like a million unsolved murders that I'd like to cover because I find them interesting. Sure. Yeah, but we don't very have time on brand. for all of that. <laughs> very on brand that yours are all murders and mine are just like, yeah, there's this one, lady lied. There's one that I really want to cover that's tied to a reality show. What is it? Hold on, i got to look up the name of the show. Okay. Milf Island? I know some of you will get that. You're welcome for that hilarious joke. Okay, it was called Megan Wants a Millionaire. Hmm. It was like a VH1 reality show. It was like a dating. It was like a bachelor okay. style yeah, dating yeah. show. And there was a murder and then a subsequent suicide. So the case <gasps> never went to court. Yeah. But it's so interesting. Did one of the guys murder the woman? Is that? Did they? 
Oh. <laughs> okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right. I'll stop asking questions. <laughs> Nancy Drew asks, are either of you clean freaks? If so, do you have tips for keeping the house clean? Oh, my God. Oh, no. no. Um, David is a <laughs> neat freak. And he keeps our house clean. Get yourself a David. <laughs> <laughs> but not her David. No, not mine. He's taken. I have a need for things to be perfect yeah. at all times. Yep. And so that's what really drives me. Yeah, I have that same need. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's debilitating. It's yeah, terrible. It is. <laughs> Did I tell you about how freeing it was when like several months ago I decided like, you know what? The blankets on the basement couch, I'm not going to fold them every day. <gasps> they're just, Can it be done? They're just going to look messy, and that's fine. <laughs> this has been a wild revelation for me. Yeah. 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 Baby steps. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's very good. Because here's the thing. If your house doesn't look perfect all the time— People know you live there. <laughs> and so. you're failing on an epic level. <laughs> Sealed with a queef asked, when did you have to start doing household chores and did you get paid? What chores did you hate? I had to take out the garbage and the neighbor's dog always ripped the bag open and no. I had to clean the garbage up. <laughs> um, I, I think for like my general chores, like keeping my room clean and like mm-hmm. taking my laundry down to be done, like – that stuff I was not paid for. But I like – I mowed the grass and I got paid for that. I, I remember. mowing the grass. <laughs> it's one of her many passions. I do. I love mowing the grass. <laughs> do you just – oh, you can't do it anymore. No. I don't have my own grass to mow now. Oh, oh. tragic. You can come over here. <laughs> Maintenance provided. Oh, what a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> you watch those folks just riding I, by on the They mowed this morning and I was like – They oh, were smiling the whole fun. time, weren't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, no, Kyle and I always had chores, I mean, for as, kind of as long as I can remember. Yeah. And we always got like a little allowance yeah. of just a couple hundred dollars a week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jackson is eight mm-hmm. and he has two chores. I was going to say two chores, but now I can only think of one chore. <laughs> anyway, he just has to feed the dog. And so that's his chore when he's at our house and he gets paid $2 a week to do that. <laughs> I think you're ripping him off. I'd like to talk to him. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of like the ones I hated. I hated dusting. Dusting st- is my least favorite chore. To this fucking day, I, I hate, hate dusting. fucking dusting. Dusting can suck a dick. Yeah. Hate dusting. Also, you know how my mom was on Saturday mornings. Oh, yeah. She would go on a cleaning spree. Yeah. Hmm. It's almost mm-hmm. as if her self worth was determined by how clean the how house clean was. Oh, we're, we're really Whoa. uncovering oh, no. stuff. Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Kyla and I would have to lay low. We would be so hungry Saturday mornings because we wouldn't want to go downstairs <laughs> and be spotted. Oh my lord! Dixie Norma says, Kristen, I bought a bra this week and no shit paid $190 for one. The salesperson said it's good to have at least seven. Seven? Oh, guess I need to start my OnlyFans. Yeah, you better get oh that shit started God. up. You're going to buy $790 bras. $190. What does it do? <laughs> <laughs> you better have like... 
fucking lights on it. And she's like <laughs> letting off like pheromones. And also inside it's got an interior cooling system so I never get titty sweat. <laughs> Here's the thing. It's probably one of those things that if I tried one on, I'd be like, I can never I go can back. Never go. I can never not have a $190 bra. But I've never paid even close to that for a bra. No. I mean, yeah, I think it goes without saying that I haven't. Mine are just strapped in with masking tape right now. Um, holy shit. Dixie Normus, congratulations on your swell boob game. Oh, this is a good one. Shut up about it. It says, Kristen, what are your best cleaning hacks picked up from the Queen of Clean, a.k.a. your mom? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Your mom does have all the tips. She has all the tips, but, like... I never paid attention to any of them growing up. So, like, when they lived with us for a couple months last year, I remember all of a sudden my dishes looked better. Mm-hmm. It's like, what'd you do? And she had, like, I don't know. She'd done something to get this. See, I still can't tell you. She'd yeah. taken the scratches out. Yeah. She washed my walls, which yeah. is something I've never done. I've never washed my walls. She polished, like, the baseboards and yeah. stuff. Like, I mean, it's one of those yeah. things, like, you walk in and you go, oh, my gosh, it, it, it looks, looks good so in good here. In I don't here. know. Yeah. I don't know what's different. And the difference is Sheree Ray has gone to town on your house. That sounds terrible. Anyway. That does sound good. <laughs> Sheree Ray's not going to appreciate that at she all. She will not. <laughs> oh, my God. She texted me something today. It was about your case. I hope. She texted me at 9-11 this morning. A person with a balloon fetish is called a lunar. And then she sent three balloon emojis. And I said, is this a mom joke? And she goes, check your Wikipedia. Which, what does that, check my Wikipedia. She's not making it yeah, up. Yeah, I know, I That's know. That's real life shit. Straight I, from Sheree Ray. I said, how do you know this? And she goes, Google to see if there's such a thing as a balloon fetish. And there is. Did she find that picture of me out there? <laughs> I'm sure she did. Uh, For the record, people seem to think that I actually am in fetish porn now. No, I just she was in fetish porn. She's not in it now. No, currently. No, just obviously that guy had some weird intentions when he took my picture, and that was the joke that I was making to deal with those weird feelings. (laughs) (laughs) And the feelings got even weirder when we saw her on that message board. Um, anyway, we've got to wrap this yeah. up, lady, because we've got a Zoom call. We've got a Zoom to get call to. to get to. So We're very popular. I'm so mm. popular. So that means we need to get to the Supreme Court inductions. I'm being a DJ over here, so I'm s- going to the bottom of my page. Oh, I was like, what the hell are you doing? Oh boy, maybe you could be your own DJ at your wedding. <laughs> you ever think of that? No. But think on it a little. No, okay, absolutely but not. but consider it. No, all right, but I'm you not know. considering it. It's okay, free. what is this episode two twelve? I think so. Okay, I don't see your little pink Kristen anywhere. I am really struggling. I'm going about as slowly as possible. Two. I thought it wouldn't take me that long to get down here, but yet here I am uh-huh, talking. You DJing it. Yeah. Uh, how about I tell people how to get in? How to get inducted? Why don't Should you do make that? yourself useful? to get inducted on this podcast? All you have to do is join our Patreon at the seven dollar level or higher. And we'll, uh, you know, induct you. That's how it works. (laughs) So this week we're going to continue to read your names and favorite cookies. cookies.
Morgan. Sugar cookies with cream cheese icing and strawberries on top. Ooh. Yeah, that sounds fucking delicious. Sounds so good. Jen S. Iced sugar cookie. Janine K. Wrangler. Oatmeal rice crispy cookie from Cowboy Cookie. Oh. Oh, okay. Excuse me. Keely. White chocolate and stem ginger. No. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, no. Keely. No. <laughs> White no. chocolate ruins everything. <laughs> Jillian. E.L. Fudge Double Stuffed Elf Cookies. Oh, they're so fucking good. Are you supposed to include the elf? They're not yeah. elf cookies. They're, they are elf cookies. I know that's part of the brand, right? But no, they, they are shaped like elves, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> they are literally elf cookies. Ma'am, I'm going to have to ask you to be more professional. You're being like that judge in your case. You're just freaking out. I will put duct tape on your mouth. <laughs> Say elf again. <laughs> I happen to know that you don't have any duct tape around. <laughs> Katie Acevedo. My mama's almond pizzelles. Sweet Haley Grace. Chocolate chop. Haley Price. Taylor Swift's chai tea eggnog cookies. They're so good, I promise. I mean, that probably is good. Spicy. Yeah, I, I mean, it spices. probably is. Taylor Swift. What's Taylor Swift doing making cookies? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical. <laughs> Song. Chocolate chip cookies. Did you know they were a mistake? Someone tried to make chocolate cookies and ended up with with the chips inside that we all love instead. I did, I did they not. They thought know it that. would melt into the dough, and it, and it would just be a chocolate cookie, but uh-huh. the chips stayed intact, and thus was born the chocolate chip cookie. You love presenting trivia. <laughs> <laughs> K. Oatmeal raisin. Kristen. White chocolate macadamia. Yummy. Christmas sugar cookies. Haley. Homemade chocolate chip M&M cookies. Scam likely. (laughs) (laughs) My best friend. (laughs) Frozen Thin Mints. Reezy. Salted Caramel. Sarah Marshall. Double chocolate chip. Trying to forget her. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I'm sure she's never heard that. (laughs) Sharna. Chocolate no-bake cookies. Killian. Girl Scout cookies, toasties. Toast- oh, those are the new French toast. Toastiers. Toastiers. What? what? <laughs> They're the new ones. They look like little French toasts. All right, they what sound the delicious. French <laughs> toast. Okay. Uh, welcome. Look <laughs> embarrassed at me. <laughs> you lit liquor. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who you got a cootie queen? What? What is that? It's from, from an Orbit commercial like a million years ago. Jeez. Do you know they used to advertise for gum on TV? Yeah, it was a wild time. You don't like gum. You're not a gum person. You think gum's disgusting. We have not welcomed them into this. Welcome to to the the Supreme Court. Court. You know, they also used to advertise soap on TV all the time. Do you remember? You're not fully clean unless you're zestfully clean. Yeah, I and remember. Then the Lever 2000, you got to clean all your 2000 parts. And then the Irish Spring ones were like standing in a fucking waterfall. Why don't they do soap advertisements anymore? Are people still buying soap? <laughs> not me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> anyway, Big soap doesn't have <laughs> Big me. Big soap will never have me. I have vivid memories from those old commercials of like a really buff dude with just the bar of soap. Yeah, zest. You're chest. not fully clean unless you're zestfully clean. <laughs> you know. <laughs> anyway, they still make zest. But don't do commercials for it anymore is what I'm saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is weird. Yeah. Also, Caress. Don't you remember those Caress commercials? Oh, they were very sensual. They were. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Let's all take a moment and think about that. Anyway, thank you, everyone, for all of your support. We appreciate it so much. If you're looking for other ways to support us, please find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And then head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and review. And then be sure to join us next week when we'll be experts on two whole new topics. Podcast adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. I got my info from reporting by Rebecca Opie for ABC Australia, and an episode of 60 Minutes Australia titled Backpacker Kidnapped and Shackled in Abandoned Pig Shed by Madman. That would have given it all away. Yep, it yep. sure would have. I got my info from an episode of Snapped, articles for MLive.com, Medium, The Court Record, Jim Fisher True Crime, and Murderpedia. For a full list of our sources, visit LGTCpodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours, but please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.